The scripture for this morning is in uh, Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 1, beginning the reading at verse 14. Let me read a few verses for you. And then think with you about what will be the defining moments in 2024 and how you can prepare your calendar uh, for 2024. John, uh, Mark chapter 1. Uh, it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And this is what he said. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets, and they followed. When he'd gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. And without delay, he called out to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat at the hired men, and they followed, and they followed him. So, uh, so what will be uh, your defining moments as this big white space, and I'm not referring to the snow now, I'm referring to all this 2024 kind of stretches out there before you. I mean, there are some defining moments that you can kind of calendar. I don't know whether you've kind of marked these out, like, well, for instance, April 15th, tax day. Yeah, you can calendar that one. That'll be kind of a defining moment, right? Like, unfortunately, we all have to reckon ourselves with that. I understand in the month of uh, February, there'll be a defining moment. Anybody know what that, that defining moment will be? February 29th, leap year this year, right? So kind of like, whoa, this doesn't come around that often. Kind of be a special moment. I don't know what your plans are for that day, but you might make, you know, kind of a special, a special event of it. A little later on in the year, I understand over in, in, in uh, France, in Paris, uh, France, they'll, they'll uh, kick off the Summer Olympics. That'll be kind of a defining moment for all kinds of athletes who, who gather there and, 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 uh, and, and make a big deal out of that experience. There will be, uh, for sure, uh, some defining moments in, in, in 2024 that you'll be able to calendar. You'll be able to plan on them. But what I'd like to suggest to you this morning is that there will be some other defining moments that you won't be able to calendar and you won't really um, be able to, to uh, anticipate, at least from the standpoint of measurable time. But they will indeed be defining moments if you can see them, if you're paying attention. In the Bible, there are two words that are used for time. One word is the word chronos. Uh, chronos refers to time that occurs on the calendar, uh, on your chronometer, your watch. Chronos is the time that you can expect and plan on. If I'm going to meet you for lunch at 12 o'clock over in, you know, wherever, uh, at the local diner, then you and I are both working on chronos time, right? But there's another word that's used in the Bible uh, for time. 
It's the word that Jesus uses here in his conversation with these early followers. It's the word kairos, kairos. Kairos is a different kind of time. It's a time for sure, but it's not one that is set by a calendar. It's not one that's set by the sweep hands on a clock or a digital uh, uh, keeper of time. Kairos time is, is time that, that kind of happens serendipitously, but it absolutely happens. You know it when it happens. And sometimes it is a defining moment. It's a moment that, that, that absolutely defines things. I don't think anybody expected January 6th uh, to be a defining moment quite like it's become, right? You could argue that January 6th was both a Kronos moment, right? But you could probably argue January 6th was also a Kairos moment in the sense that it was, a, it was an unexpected thing, kind of a, an event, a defining moment in our, in our national story, for sure. So when Jesus uses that word here in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He's saying that, that to, his, to these early followers, by the way, <clears throat> what was part of the life of, of a first century or a, or a person living? Well, their lives were, were, their lives were made up of a, of a work dimension. They, they were employed and their lives were made up of a, of a family dimension for sure. They had rich relationships and family and networks and, 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 and family was very important. And they had a religious dimension, for sure. They were regular uh, observers of their religious tradition, their Jewish tradition. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Work, family, faith. Doesn't sound like all that different from your life and my life, right? And yet Jesus says to them, in a very interruptive sort of way, in a way that they didn't see coming, in a rather surprising way, hey, you folks, you, you, you folks out fishing, come follow me. The time has come. You didn't see this one coming. You didn't plan on this. This conversation between you and I wasn't in your field of vision. But the time has arrived. It's right now. Come and follow me. And by inference, I think Jesus is saying <clears throat> to you and I that we can have those moments as well as followers of Jesus. If indeed that is something we're wanting to be about, Jesus may pass you this new year in a unique sort of way. We were talking about that a few moments ago as you were leading us and reflecting about your little golfing experience here and what an unexpected kind of an event that was. What did that mean for the, what did that mean for the church? But what do you think that meant for the 240 some odd folks who showed up here, many of whom had never set foot into this particular space? What do you think it meant for them? How did that make them think maybe in a different way about, about the identity of this faith community? Was it a Kairos moment 
an unexpected moment for them. They didn't see it coming. They, were, they came to play golf, but maybe, maybe they shifted their thinking a little bit. See, Jesus is saying that, I think by inference, that the same can be true for you and I. My wife and I, <clears throat> um, we have our charities. We give to our church, we give to a variety of things, and we're committed to those kinds of things. You probably have your charities as well. And uh, recently, <clears throat> we got a phone call from someone, a friend, and they asked us if we wanted to come over for dessert. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that. We're going to meet some other folks there. Well, let's, let's do that. And by the way, there's going to be someone at this little dessert that's going to share a little bit about some work they're doing with, with a, a project. Is that okay? Yeah, that'll be fine. So we came over. And, by the way, I've been invited to these kinds of desserts before. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. So I, uh, I kind of got a hunch what was coming, but, you know, I, I, I have my charities. I have the things I'm committed to. We're generous. I feel like we're generous. And so, we, so I, you know, I went off to the event. We went off to the event, had a nice dessert, and, and chatted with some friends and <clears throat> met some new people. And, and, uh, and then, the, and then the, 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 the special guest uh, began to talk a little bit about their work with, with uh, children and childhood trauma and trauma is a global phenomenon with, with uh, uh, you know, wars and, and the, the innocent being impacted by that. And our children, when, they're, when, they're, when, when children live through a traumatic experience, they tend to uh, become jaded. They tend to become um, used to things that most children aren't used to, which, which is a good thing. They get, they get exposure to, to horrific kinds of things. And sometimes they work out that horror onto somebody else, not knowing that their own trauma is now uh, inclined them towards behavior that is painful, passing on pain to another generation. And so this person was talking about that phenomenon and then talking about the work that they're doing and the organization that they're forming and the, the, the plans they have to provide what they call healing camps healing camps and they do these camps around the around the globe in a variety of places and uh <clears throat> and they get children together and give children a chance to talk about their trauma and give them a chance to to uh, get it out and 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 then to and then to in almost in a therapeutic sort of way to help them understand that jesus uh is near them in the midst of that experience and jesus understands trauma and that and Jesus has uh, healing words for them. And as we listened, I mean, it just it just landed in a spot I didn't know I had. And um, and then you know they came to the place which I had thought I had prepared for, where I was you know had a good solid grip on my wallet. Do you know what I'm talking about? And uh, they came to that part in the conversation, and they, they said, well, you know, you don't, we're not asking you to make a commitment here tonight, but will you take it home and think about it? And as my wife and I drove home, and we thought about it, we knew exactly what we needed to do. We had no plans for that, though. We had actually calculated what our income was for the next year, 
and, and what, our, what our charities were, and we were actually giving a little bit more than we typically would, you know, per- percentage-wise. You know what I'm talking about. We, we didn't plan on this. It was not in our, it, it was, we, hadn't, we had not calendared this meeting. We certainly had not planned it in our financial kind of a, you know, you know state of the family. What's our, how much are we, how much can we afford to give? What will the, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it spoke to us. And though I didn't have quite these words in my mind at the time, but I think they fit that the time had come. The kingdom was near. Would I, would we repent and believe the good news? Now, I don't know, you know, I mean, that's, that's just our experience, but but, but Jesus, I think, um, has those experiences for people who choose to follow him. I mean, if you're going to follow Jesus, he's going to tell you, he's going to nudge you. There's going to be things, you know, it's like, and, and in, in those moments, there's, there's really two, two steps that, that our Lord lays out for us here in this little text. Uh, there's two steps. He says, again, he says the the time has come, the kingdom is near, repent. Stop there. Hold it. The time has come, the kingdom is near. The kingdom, let's just pause there for a moment. I, I think we understand the kingdom, that word kingdom, the most frequently used word in our Lord's teachings. It was his favorite topic. He talked about the kingdom more than anything else. And, and when you listen to it, everything he says about the kingdom, it means that the kingdom is about God's rightful rule in the world. Amen. Can we be Baptists here for a minute? Amen. The kingdom is about God's rightful rule in the world. You know, that he is king and king above all other kingdoms, above all other, we would say above all other political parties. The party of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the party of our ultimate loyalty. So, he said, that being the case, the kingdom of God has come near in Jesus Christ. Repent. Whoa. And I mean, I can be honest with you, it was my wife and I were traveling back from that, that dinner together, or that uh, dessert together, we didn't drop to our knees and, you know, rend our garments kind of a thing. It wasn't that, but it, but it, what, there wasn't a dimension of, of repentance. I mean, what is that? That word repentance has a, an interesting word, has, has kind of some, some mental dimensions to it, some kind of emotional dimensions to it. But, and it certainly has some behavioral dimensions to it. it changing your ways touches all those dimensions. Changing your mind. I had to change my mind about being uptight about percentage giving. I don't know whether you ever heard that term before, know that term before. It's like, well, you should give a percentage of your... I don't know. I try to find that, you know, somewhere in the teachings of Jesus about percentage giving. I mean, I know it's implied in the tithing thing, but, but generosity just kind of breaks through those boundaries and says what's what's God talking to you about giving to by the way this wasn't intended to be a giving uh, 
teaching this morning. I'm not going there. But, but for us, it was. It was a giving moment to say, you know, could we respond genuinely out of a sense that the kingdom had come near? The message of Jesus had come near in what this, this, uh, this fellow was sharing with us about childhood trauma. And, and, and could we change our thinking from we only give, we've already made our charitable commitments for the year. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Could we, could we break out of that kind of straitjacket, for goodness sakes, alive, and respond? The kingdom had come near. Were we going to pay attention or be kind of, kind of rigid that way? So repentance is kind of being willing to change your mind, kind of break out of that, that preconceived kind of thinking and, and reflect a little bit and reframe and change your thinking and change then your acting. And, and um, yeah. Another story about a couple. They've been married for about 50, or excuse me, they're in their, in their 50s, married 25 years, maybe 30. The kids were all gone, and the marriage had gone cold, stone cold. There was no life or joy between them hardly anymore. And one day... One day they heard a story of another couple that they thought were happily married <laughs> and they were breaking up. And that week, they looked up at one another across the dinner table and they said, something's got to change between us. Something's got to change between us. The time has come. The kingdom is near. I confess, I've been less of a spouse to you than I should have been. And they responded. You see, this, this idea of the kingdom coming near it relates to all of the rightful rule of our Lord Jesus, a rule of peace and reconciliation and hope and recovery. All of that is coming near in this next year. And that, that couple responded. They responded to that moment, that, that Kairos moment. They didn't see it coming, but it was the moment that they desperately needed to respond to. So notice, now notice, Jesus does not say, repent and behave, right? I mean, that's the way I would have written it, right? Like, you know, the time has come, the kingdom is near, repent and behave. End of discussion. <laughs> no. What Jesus does say is he says, repent and believe. Believe in this moment. Believe in this moment that God could have something better for you if you'll respond, if I'll respond, than otherwise. That indeed, uh, that... That, 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 that uh, uh, dessert gathering, what have you, that me giving up a little bit more of what I clutch to could be a life-giving moment 
not a life subtracting moment. Could be an addition rather than a subtraction to my life. That it could actually increase my joy, could actually widen my world, could actually enrich my journey rather than shrink it, which my initial reaction is, no, that's going to shrink my world. I'm going to give up something. Uh, we, have a, we have a next door neighbor with a developmentally disabled uh, child. And you know, I just wasn't paying attention. Wasn't paying attention at all. Fortunately, my wife was. And um, in this case, this young lady is, is not, though she is of the age, she's not of the ability to find work in any small, like a McDonald's or what have you, which would be age appropriate for her. Nothing, no, she just didn't have the skills to do that. But she can rake our lawn. She can mow our grass when we're away. She can do those kinds of things. Now, my wife's paying, paying better attention than I am, but that she offered that to the parents and said, you know, we understand that you're, you're, you're a young adult. It doesn't have the, can't find a job, can't get a job. It doesn't have the skills. We understand that, but we, we'd like to employ her. For that young lady, she, I, we, so we've come to understand, that hung the moon for her. That hung the moon for her. That, 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 that the time had come. I couldn't see it. My wife saw it. The kingdom was near. An opportunity to respond to the prompting of Jesus and the ways of Jesus. Repent and believe. Believe that we might be able to be a blessing to someone else and it might enrich my life. It might, it might expand my heart or yours. Believing the good news of God unlocks the transformational power of God. God's always about good news. Kairos moments are always about good news. That God has something good for you in a Kairos moment, in one of those unexpected opportunities. I'll be honest, some of us kind of given up looking. You know, and then what happens is, is you become like, you just don't even want to look. Like, God's not doing anything. God didn't do anything. And the minute you begin to tell yourself that narrative, the minute you stop looking for it, the minute you stop seeing the opportunity. When you tell your, when we tell ourselves that God's not doing anything, then we stop looking for God to be up to anything. Do you believe that? Let me try it one more time, because I don't think you're convinced. When we tell ourselves that God's not doing anything, and by not, I, don't, I mean in your neighbor's household, in your community, in your workplace, yeah, when we tell ourselves God's not doing anything there, then we stop looking for God to do anything there. Are you with me? You tracking with me? 
And yet, where did Jesus uh, have this uh, Kairos moment with, his, with these fishermen? He didn't have it for them at the, at the, at the place of worship. He had, it, he had it with them out in the, in the place of employment. That's where their Kairos moment occurred, in their work environment. That was where it could occur for you or I, not in this sacred space, but in the other spaces. So then we come to the punchline. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God has come near. Kairos moment, potential for launching us a step closer towards God's design. A moment to potentially launch us closer to abundant life for sure. But there's something else I don't want you to miss here. Two times in John's uh, recollecting, there's this reference to the immediacy of their response. Did you catch that? It says in verse 18, at once they left their nets and followed him. Verse 20, without delay, they responded. So here's the deal. In my limited experience, uh, you don't get a long fuse on a Kairos moment. You with me? These moments come with a relatively short uh, response opportunity. Relatively short. You don't like say, well, I'll think about it <laughs> and set it aside. Because whenever, I don't know about your house, but if I get mail and I'm going to think about it mail, guess what? Tomorrow's mail covers that up, right? Are you with me? <laughs> and then there's the next day's mail and the next day's mail and the stuff of life and things just have a way of covering it up. In the case of, of Jesus, I think Jesus is looking for people whenever he provides a moment, a, an unexpected opportunity, a defining moment, something that could radically uh, reshape or significantly, maybe it won't be radical, it'll just be significant. Let's use that word. He doesn't give us a lot of time to think it over. That's not my style. I'd like to kind of think things over, you know. But it's, I, I think Jesus would like to have you think this over before the moment comes. Try that out. There are a number of things when I was growing up, my father used to say I should plan for before the moment comes. You ever heard that kind of a, a little uh, speech? I won't give it to you here. But this is the kind of thing you can plan for sometimes before the moment comes and calibrate towards a yes. Yes. I'll take the next step. I don't know where the journey's going to go. I have no idea, you know, whether this dessert's going to lead to, they're going to ask more. And I mean, I know how these things go. They probably, in fact, they have. <laughs> but, you know, I just knew the right thing was to say yes in that moment. What will be the moment for you in 2024? I have no idea. <laughs> Neither do you. I mean, there's the Kronos things we're going to plan on, right? <clears throat> but there's going to be the Kairos things that you're not expecting. 
And I guarantee you, they're coming. The time is coming. And in that moment, the kingdom will be near. Can you change your thinking? Can we change our thinking and believe that there's some goodness of God in that moment and step into it? Pray with me. God in heaven, you are the Lord of time, Kronos and Kairos. You hold our lives in your hands. Help us to respond. Help us to live 2024 with our eyes wide open in the secular and sacred spaces, in the neighborhoods and in the schools, to live our lives and our eye, with our eyes wide open to the opportunities to be about your kingdom come as we prayed a moment ago, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Now may the grace of God, the love of Christ, and the awakening, the eye-opening, the attentive, attentive to the kingdom, presence of the Holy Spirit, go with us all. Amen.